I was, um, I was praying into the message today, and the Lord took me back in time, back in time. Um, can any of you have those memories, like when you're a kid, those way, way back, like way back, you know, like just weird memories of, you know, stuff, some you try to block out, you know. I had this memory uh, come to me, and it was, um, um, it was, oh, it must have been about four or five, well, at least I hope I was that young, and I used to tie a towel around my neck, and I would thought I was Superman, <laughs> like, literally like Superman, <laughs> I'd tie this thing, I'd just about throttle myself. And I would, I would just fly around the place. Because Superman was my favorite superhero. He was bulletproof. He could burn stuff with his eyes. I mean, who wouldn't want to burn stuff with their eyes? I mean, come on. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking, man, that's awesome. And so, but you see, I, and now like every superhero has an arch enemy. And I had an arch enemy. I, it was actually the lawnmower. <laughs> Dead serious. It was a lawnmower. And so uh, at the age of four or five or six, I, I, the way I used to defeat my enemy was I would take stones and I would press them into the lawn. Like this. <laughs> like, and my dad, who was obviously in cahoots with my arch enemy, um, would, would hit these stones. And bang! And I can still remember as a kid, I'd be <laughs> you know, laughing away. And my dad would just be going off, you know. And uh, one day, a stone flew through the window, smash. And my dad worked out it was me one day. But the thing was, I'd push so many stones into the lawn for the next six months, they must have just kept popping up, you know, you know, and, um, and, and as part of being a superhero, one day I had to rescue the cat out of the tree, it didn't want to be rescued, it was just sitting up, I climbed up, I nearly hung myself, I slipped out of the tree, I was hanging by this, this towel, and I can still remember this other one, where my dad had bought a, a, a Triumph, it was a second-hand car, but it was a really nice Triumph car, and so I decided I needed to climb on it, don't know why, just did, I guess superheroes is what you do, so I climbed on it, but who knew that bonnets were soft? Who knew that roofs of cars were soft? So I climbed up on this car and dented it and dented the roof, and I slid off and I broke the windscreen wiper off it. Now don't worry, I, I blame my sister, so that was all right. It was her fault. No, that's all right, my dad knew it was me. You know, all that to say this. You see, when I put that cape on, in my mind, I was transformed. I was transformed. This is the series we're looking at, Romans 12, 2, be transformed, not living in delusion like I was, but be transformed by changing the way you think. You know, the word transformed, I think it's an interesting word because the word, the Greek word for transformed is actually the word metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis from. And the, the closest link to you being able to be transformed is actually, or metamorphosis is pictured here, a caterpillar through to a butterfly. Completely, utterly changed, different. And in fact, the metamorphosis stage means that you go into that chrysalis stage, you become liquid again, a black muck, to actually be reborn again into something else. That is metamorphosis. And I, I think the church of this nation is going through a metamorphosis right now. A metamorphosis, a change, where it's sort of going, who am I? What am I? And I think it's echoing in, in, in the people in the room. Even here, you're starting to go, who am I? Well, it's a good question because transformation or metamorphosis happens when we start to ask these questions. You know, it was Dutch Sheets. That's his name, by the way, Dutch Sheets. 
strange name, but it's all good. Dutch Sheets, he said this. He said, at times, while he was in his seat at church, he heard from tutors and preachers uh, messages that changed his life, completely changed him. And he said, I'll never be the same again, but a, a few weeks later, he would be back in his same old ways, doing his same old things, frustrated at what had taken place. And as he prayed on this, God actually spoke to him and said this to him. He said, son, all truth comes to you in seed form. It may be fruit in the person who's sharing it to you, but it lands in you in seed. Whether or not it actually bears fruit in you depends on what you do with it. That's a good word right there, man. You see, I want to tell you that none of this, see, we're doing this series, we've just come out of faith. Give me faith. Man, we needed faith. But you can't sustain faith in a faith move of God without transformation, because if you don't have transformation of mind, your faith will fall over. But I want to tell you that none of this teaching on transformation will remain if it stays in head level. Oh, wasn't that a good word today? It needs to go to heart level. See, God's word will not stand if your heart is not in a state to receive and sustain his word in you. So today, I've got three things I want to look at, three reasons why God's word can actually leave your heart. And I've entitled this message today, Good Soil. Everyone say, Good Soil. So let's pray into that. Father God, I pray into the soil of men and women's hearts today. I pray in this room that you turn that soil. I pray that you reveal it. I feel like there is just some soil that needs to be turned today so that there can be fresh word of God can be planted today. Let's just pray. Father, Holy Spirit, come in these hearts in a way that I can not do. Everyone said, hey, you, you'll notice I'm actually wearing a bit of a farmer's shirt today. Like I look like a bit of a farmer. Would that be true? I was going to wear a straw hat, but... I didn't um, because it's a bit of a farming message today. Well, have a look at the scripture. It's a little bit of a farmer. Here we go. Jesus often spoke in the nature of the times, and there was a lot of farm work going. There's a lot of fishermen, and he, was, he spoke. But let me read this parable out because this is what I feel the Lord wants me to bring to you today. And I would ask that you would listen really carefully. It's not a long message, but I feel what he has to say is pretty significant to you this morning. Okay, Jesus said to this, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer, note the shirt, (laughs) went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds of the air came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Yet other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on, everyone say, good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what is sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Wow. And now look, I, I don't know about you, but when I, when I read this parable, uh, I sort of wonder why it is that the seed sower, if he really knew what he was doing, is sowing so much seed in really dumb places. I mean, mean, if you throw seed on top of a rock, is it seriously going to grow, you know? I actually looked, I did on your behalf, I did some study and I actually went to the Yates Gardening Guide and I found that that's not how you plant seed at all. 
and placing it on a rock actually is not very good. That you actually get a little pencil and you push it into the soil about that far and then you drop the seed in, you cover it over, put some water on it. Uh, that's how you do it. But you see, it doesn't make no mention of a pencil in this, in this parable. You, you know why the sower sows this way? Because it's a picture of how the kingdom of God is seeded. It is thrown out indiscriminately. It is thrown out. You see, we, if you think about people you know who need to know Jesus, you might think of, well, I don't know. Larry might be interested, but I don't know. You see, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, no, when you sow the seed of the kingdom, it is to be thrown indiscriminately. It is to be thrown out. It is to be thrown here. It is to be thrown there. It is not your job to determine where the seed will land and take root. It's your job to release the seed. You know, on the way up to Rotorua last week, I was in the airport here in Nelson, and as I sat in the airport, I um, sat in a chair, just sat randomly. I was, I was sipping away on a chai latte. All oh, you guys know that's my, my beverage of choice, right? So I'm sitting there sipping my chai latte in this chair, and, and this guy sits next to me, or a whole queue of guys sit next to me, and as he sat down, instantaneous, like I've walked by many people, I've walked by a hundred people in that airport, hundreds, walked by every one of them, nothing. He sits by me and instantly a picture comes in my mind of a man digging a hole. And so I said to this guy, I said, uh, I was just sitting there, I thought, <laughs> here we go, uh, you know, and I just nudge him, I go, hey, he goes, hey, I go, hey, you're not a drain digger, are you? You know, if I get it wrong, I just say, oh, sorry about that. But he goes, he looks at me like I was a weirdo, he goes, yeah, I am actually. <laughs> And he goes, and he goes, actually, all three of us have come here on contract to dig drains for a council contract in town. And I said, well, you know how I know that? Because I, I said, you've sat here, I've given you a picture, I don't know you. I said, God told me that you were a drain digger. And he looked at me like I was thick. Was, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just felt to do it. I don't always do that. And I said, I said um, he told me to tell you that because he's got a nice message for you. So I prayed for this guy, and it actually moved him, like really moved him. Well, that opened the whole line of guys up. I've got a picture of them. Here they are here. This is them here. This is the airport. These are the three guys. So I actually, was, I actually got to prophesy over all three of those. You've got the gang signs up. They, you, know, they, you know, Jesus loves gang members. He just wants them to be in the right place, you know. And um, so I got to prophesy over all of them. It was actually incredible. These guys got loud in the airport, and the people in front of us could hear what was going on. You know, and in this place, this guy here started to make a recommitment to Jesus back in his heart. This guy here was actually a Christian, but moved away from him. Isn't it incredible how God just aligns his stuff up? You see, we are to sow the seed indiscriminately. We just spread vigorously, just spread without discrimination. Look, there was no concern. Those guys were really happy to be ministered to, by the way. If you allow the media narrative to remind you how you are meant to place yourself in this world, then you will not be effective for Jesus, and you'll get depressed, and you'll get afraid, and you'll wonder why it is your faith does not mean anything to you. will start to shrink. But these guys, I'm, look, if I got it wrong, I just say, sorry, I got it wrong, bro. I'm learning to listen to God. I don't always get it right. So we want to have a look at this parable of the sower this morning. So in the parable of the sower, it says this, just so we're clear what's being talked about. Firstly, we know the sower is Jesus, okay? The second thing is the kingdom of God is the word of God. When he talks about the kingdom, the word of God, that's as Jesus preaching. The seed is the word of God. 
and the soil is the heart. It's pretty simple, right? Now, Jesus tells us in this parable that there are four soils, four hearts, three types of soil that don't hear or receive the word, and one that does. Now, I want to tell you something interesting about this parable. Often we read it and think it's all about them out there. Oh, it's about them. They've got issues. You know, actually, this script, as you go through this, you realize this is actually about you and me. Sure, it is about them too, but it's actually more about you and me. And you'll see as we go along what I mean. Okay, so let's have a look at the first type of soil today. It says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. Anyone who hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the birds of the air come. They snatch it away, what was sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. Okay, this, this heart is a picture of a ground where hoofs and feet and carts have rolled across it time and time. And you think of an edge of a paddock where the tractor's gone and it's just become hard. Everyone say hard. This is a picture of a hard heart. Hard. That our hearts are hardened by sin, by what others have done to us or what we've done to ourselves. Or maybe it's what we feel God should have done for us. He's done it for them, but he hasn't done it for me. And often we can recognize in our life or other people's lives that because of abuse and neglect and pain, this can cause our hearts to harden, the soil of our heart to harden towards God. Am I speaking to anyone here this morning? Just me. God's word needs some place to take hold, but because the heart is hard, the seed is vulnerable. It's a picture of like the seed just bouncing off the ground, just bouncing, just can't get in there. And then the, Bible, the verse says that the birds of the air come, which symbolizes the demonic realm, and snatch it away. The effect that is that the enemy is taking advantage of those pains in your life so that you cannot receive that fresh endurement of God's word in your life. He wants to keep your heart hard, grumpy, painful, lost. He capitalizes on that. And, you know, as I've said, sometimes our hearts are not kept hard because of what others have done to us, but of what we've done to ourselves. You know my story. 30 years ago, I used to deal drugs. I haven't shared my testimony for quite a while. I'll probably have to do that again sometime, but I wasn't a nice guy. In fact, I was so not nice that I didn't even like myself. You wouldn't have liked me. I didn't like me either. I hated me. You know, but that may not be your story. You might have grown up in a great Christian home and everything went well for you. But even as followers of Jesus, we can set patterns in our life, routines in our spiritual life that become so predictable and so the same that we can be kept from hearing a fresh new revelation from God, a new thing that God wants to speak to our heart or to revive something that's been there for a long time. It's blocked by these hard hearts. We can't really hear a fresh message. It, it actually sounds a bit like those religious Pharisees of Jesus' time who Jesus said, look, I want to tell you, you, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts, they, they're out of here. He called them whitewashed tombs. You know, and, and thankfully no one is like that in here, but my point is, is that there can be a part of our heart that can be so hard, so wounded, that we can just worship with our lips and our hearts and areas of our life can be just so far from Him. 
So, so how can we protect our hearts from, from this hardening? I mean, you know, we, fabric soft is not going to do it. You can bash your chest with a meat tenderizer. It's not going to really change that heart. It's not going to change it. The Bible says that you need to recognize this heart in humility. That's why Jesus is speaking this out. He's saying, would you listen? Those who have ears, let them hear. You know, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing means you hear. Listen means you do something with it. And when you look at the actual Greek word there, uh, uh, those who hear, it actually is reference to doing something about it. So if this is spoken to you, then you humble yourself. You say, actually, my heart has been hard in this area for so long. I'm tired of this, how hard it is. I've been thinking of walking away from my faith. I've been thinking about walking away from my marriage. I've been thinking about walking away from myself. I don't know. But the Bible says, repent. Come before me. Allow it to soften that heart and let me speak to it. Okay, the second type of soil, I'm nearly through the message here. I'm not going to be preaching for a long time today. But the second type of soil or heart, the second time, so the first heart is a hard heart. The second heart is a superficial. Everyone say superficial heart. Superficial. This is the seed falling on rocky ground. It refers to someone who hears the word and receives it. Oh, they've come to church. They're tithing. Oh, great. They receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last for a short time. But when trouble comes, the persecution of the word, they quickly fall away. So these people have no root. They, and man, I tell you what, I'm preaching to myself here. Just, you know what I'm saying? I mean, man alive. These are ones who have no root. They're those that have their faith based on external stimulus, not inner conviction. You know, these people might attach themselves to a leader or, or a movement or something, and when that leader gets caught doing burglary or falls over, their faith completely crumbles because they were never connected to Jesus. They were connected to the man or the woman. Do you know what I'm saying? External stimulus was superficial. They didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. So this scripture is saying, so when, the, when the, their faith will not last, when the scorching sun, which represents the fact that following Jesus will not always be easy. Has anyone found that following Jesus is easy? I can, I can recommend some other faiths if you'd like. A lot easier. No, you're right. Truth is always attacked the most violently. You see, when the going gets tough, it says the superficial Christianity is where Jesus some sort of an add-on. They'll just, they'll just sort of slip away. In fact, looking for an excuse to slip away. Looking for a reason to be offended, in fact. Because I can't leave because of my own thing. I've got to leave because it's your fault or your fault or someone else's, his fault or his. Oh, we bring it to Jesus. Bring it to him. We might know some concepts or theories, but they haven't really changed us. Jesus is an add-on, meaning he's not the center of my life. And when testing times come, which are the scorching rays of the sun, they will come. They have no root. They dry up. Now, sometimes it can be conditional Christianity where, well, I'll believe in Jesus, but, but. The but is what the enemy wants to hear because the but is exactly where he'll take you. I'll believe in Jesus, but. These are my ground rules. No. Jesus died unconditionally on the cross who to demonstrate that your love for him is unconditional as his love for you is unconditional. 
we are, to rep- we are to give back what he's given to us, this unconditional love. It does not have a but attached. You know, there's this lady here spoke at the conference, Anne Murrows. Here she is in the line up there, encircled. Anne Murrows was one of the original founders of the New Life Movement. When was this? Was this back in the 50s or 40s? The late 50s. Absolutely phenomenal time. Now, was it without contention? No superficial Christianity existed in that time, let me tell you, in in this woman's life. She shared a story on stage, man, live. Wasn't she as sharp as a whip? Mate, you'd think that she might have lost the edge, but far out. Did she school us? But, I mean, she stood there and she shared a story. She said that she had, this was back in like the 60s or 70s, I can't remember, and she said that uh, she went to a women's conference in Australia by herself and her husband and kids were at home. Peter Morrows is one of the founding fathers of this faith and this movement. And, um, and she said she got a phone call. She had a phone call that some machete-wielding nutter had broken into the house and attacked her husband with a machete, hacked him up. And actually, on top of that, her two children who went to defend him also got hacked up. And she had this response to say, we have your husband in ICU. We don't think he's going to last through the night. And we have your children also. So she leaves this conference, hopping on this plane, thinking to herself, there's just no, I don't know if I'm going to get home that my husband and my kids are going to be alive. And this is what she said. She said she sat at this airport with tears in her eyes and she said, no matter what, God, I will worship you. No conditions. I know there's been people in this room who've been through hard stuff. No conditions. No matter what I go through, I will keep worshiping you. And you know, sometimes stuff like this happens in our life. Attacks can come. I don't believe God's in heaven planning your next tragedy. I really don't. I do believe there's a, 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 a devil in hell that might be doing something. He's powerless, but he can still mess with our lives pretty messily, you know. But sometimes what God will do for us is he will say, well, I need to grow you and I need to take you through some tests. What Anne went through was God did not plan that, but it was certainly a challenge for her to come out of that. But you see, sometimes we go through testing times. You know, superficial Christianity This is how we know we go deep and grow our roots deep is because it's in testing times. It says in Psalm 105, 19, until the time of his word, God's word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Everyone say it again. Tested him. You know, you will have a call on your life, a purpose. And you might say, I feel God is calling me to be a, I don't know, a pastor or a manager or to adopt lost children or to work with uh, people in the, uh, in the depths of Calcutta or maybe he's calling you to be a nurse or a do- I don't know. But in that decree, when you feel like I feel my heart is being drawn, in that moment, you are, what your heart burns for, God will help refine you to become the manager, the pastor, to adopt lost children, to be the business owner. Is this making sense? You are refined, but the way it feels is this way. Until the word over your life comes to pass, there's going to be some stuff that goes on, the testing stuff that's going to happen. Like I said, God did not bring Anne Murrow's attack, but there's going to be tests in our life, some things that challenge. I'm sorry, to, I was really hoping I'd be a bit more positive there today. I, but I think if we want to be strong Christians, we have to understand that we don't want to be superficial Christians. 
you know, sometimes it can be tough when he's growing us into new shoes and new seasons. And, you know, sometimes people say, hey, there's a testing going on in my life right now. There's a testing. Well, do you know the purpose of a test? Some say, well, it's to make my roots go deeper. Well, yeah, it is. But the purpose of the test is always the same. It's always the same. How are you going to get the kingdom in the test you find yourself in? That's how you grow your roots deeper. That's how you overcome the superficial heart, is that whatever you're facing, you do it with Jesus. And you find the kingdom. How do I bring the kingdom into this place? Some of you, like Anne Murrows, there might be just days where you just go, whatever, Lord, I'll continue to worship you. And understand this, the secret of your victory is in knowing what you already know, that God only leads you in places he's already prepared for your victory. And I want to tell you that I've said this before and I'll say it again, I'm nearly finished the message now, but, you know, when you want to grow as a believer, you need those above you, those below you, those beside you if you want Jesus at the center. Those above you are your leaders, your mentors, people that are speaking into your life, pulling you up. You know, my wife is, my, uh, is there as a leader and an arm holder. She holds my arms up. Uh, there are people in your lives that you need in that position. If you do not have them there, you will not be pulled up. You'll just find that you flounder. Equally, you need those under you. Who are you discipling? Who are you speaking into? Your children can be one, but there must be a place that you're discipling because they create push in you to push you up. It challenges you, and you need your arm holders, your errands, your hers, so you don't fall sideways. If any one of those positions aren't in place, you will struggle to grow with Christ at the center. Is this good? Just a reminder, just a challenge. I'm trying to make it helpful. Maybe the music could come up this morning. So I've got your microphone, George, I can. The third type of soil is the oil soil of distraction. It says that these are the thorns. Oh, let me read the scripture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. See, the thorns are the worries of this life, the things we lust after, and the deceitfulness of wealth. This is what Jesus is referring to. You know, Jesus talked more about what we do with our back pocket, with our money, than we do with anything else. It was just interesting. You know, there's, my Bible doesn't say there's any issue with money, not at all. There's no one in the Bible that says it's a problem. What it does say is the love of money is the problem. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Sometimes we worry about our life. But Jesus says, do not worry about your life or what you'll eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? You know, Sometimes the things that we have in life become so precious to us, so important, they become our identity. And as like we know from the scriptures, it's not an issue having possessions or money or, uh, or things of the, in that respect of the world, but it's an issue when they have you. It's not an issue having those things, but it's an issue when they have you. When you wouldn't know who you were without them. The thorns.
you know, there are three hearts that we were looking at here today. Four soils. The hard heart, the superficial heart, where we just move away from Jesus when things get hard. The distracted heart, the thorns, the worries, the lust, the deceitfulness of money possessions. But there's this one heart called the good soil. This one heart. And I did a bit of mathematics on that because I'm a pretty mathematical guy. I worked out that out of that 100%, you have a 75% chance of having those other three hearts. You have a 25% chance of having good soil in an area of your life. Isn't that interesting? So there is a very high probability that in these different areas can be affecting your walk with the Father. And you might say, well, how on earth do I get to the good soil? What do I have to do? Well, that's quite easy. You just deal with the other three soils. That's how you get the good soil. You deal with the other three. That's why Jesus spoke the scripture. So you can deal with the hard heart, the superficial heart, the distracted heart, so that you can be left with the good soil. Because when you deal with those, you turn, you plow, and you make it ready to receive.